0: everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the hockeythinktank.com a website for all players, parents and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are bringing on former Army Ranger, and now he is a leadership and team-building consultant, J.B. Spiso. Uh, J.B. resides out in the Las Vegas area. He currently owns a company, and you can go to jbsleaders.com to check out what he has going on. He just actually wrote a book called Warrior Leadership, Steps to Success for Leaders on the Ground, and we got a good chance to talk to him about uh, a lot of things that translate from uh, the military and military training to, you know, what we do on a typical day-to-day basis in the athletic world and also about life, and uh, it was a great conversation, but before we do get over to JB, let's bring on the talent of the podcast, Jeff Lavecchio Vex, sup today? Yo! What's up podcast? It's like it's like what you do your Instagram stuff. Yo, what's up? What now we should do like I, What's up podcast people? That's why I our just peeps? Did it.
1: That's why I just did it. Good man, had a good day. Got my parents in the gym today, so that's always a fun day for me getting them uh trying to get healthy here in 2021 and uh just sets me up to have a good rest of my day. I had in one of my uh pro AHL players who's on his last week before he goes to camp here next week. Um, and right before my, my mom came in and, you know, it was a pretty, pretty hefty change of pace from, uh, from, from an AHL hockey player to a 61 year old woman. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I m- had great time with both of them, nonetheless, and excited to be helping both of them, you know, towards whatever they're trying to get towards.
0: Yeah. And, uh, it looks like from your social media stuff that, uh, the star of the show now isn't exactly you, but your little puppy, huh?
1: Yeah, I mean, I just love putting him on there because he makes everyone happy. Like, I got I got the boys who come in before high school, the AAA players, at 6 and 7 a.m., and, you know, they're, they're doing their activation, a lot of ground-based work, and he's running and jumping all over them and kissing their faces, and, you know, they're trying to do dead bugs, and he's jumping on their chest, and it's just their hand eye he's chasing the balls when they drop them when they're juggling and stuff. He just he brings another element to the gym where it's a lot of fun, and, uh, you know, he makes everybody happy, and, you know, it's, it's, pretty fun I like it he's a beauty he's a little stud he's right next to me as we record right now
0: (laughs) I like it he had a little bit of a cameo in our conversation yesterday as well so that was pretty nice (laughs) yeah he did uh well good stuff man well hey NHL season is upon us unreal (laughs) it was so fun like I woke up this morning and Typically, I'll you know I'll watch the games a lot of times at night if I have time for not doing family stuff or I don't have practice and everything like that. And um, but a lot of times I'll wake up in the morning and and do some hockey stuff before the kids get up and really really excited to start my little things from last night again. So I got my first uh, first social media post out there today about some Tampa Bay offensive zone um, oh man, being from Chicago, it's going to be a long year for those guys. I, <laughs> I feel, I feel for any Chicago Blackhawks fan, but on the flip side, they playing against Tampa Bay. Wow. They are a wagon. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're, they do some pretty cool stuff in the offensive zone. Got a chance to, to break it down a little bit and uh, I'm excited to get going with that stuff again. Cause it's always fun to interact with, uh, with all the coaches out there that are really, you know, interested in, in learning a little bit more about some of the ins and outs and the details of the game. So um it's kind of how the hockey think tank was built (laughs) I don't don't think there would be a podcast today if it wasn't for little things from last night uh and and stuff on Twitter so um fun to be doing that again that's for sure
1: yeah and it's not just coaches it's players I mean I feel like I've told this story on the podcast before one time but I had uh, one of my pro guys that I trained in the summers um texted me and he's like hey man like what do you think of this and it was one of your little things from last night this was like the first year you're doing it and I was like uh, I think it's great. That's my cousin. And he was like, get out of here. I literally watch this guy's clips every single day on the way to the rink before games to like remind him of the little things to do. And I was like, yeah, dude, that's my cousin. That's my bestie. And he was like, oh, my God, this is such a small world. Like a pro guy sending me that, you know, like players can learn from it. I tell everyone I train. Follow you on Twitter and Instagram specifically for the little things from last night, because I think it's just, even if you know it, it's just always good to be, you know, hitting that refresh button, reminding yourself to do the little things, because as we always talk about, if you focus on the end goal, you usually don't reach it. But If you focus on the little details, you wind up you know, achieving whatever your end goal is, getting a point, getting an assist, getting a goal, winning the game, being a better player. So I think everyone should be following you for those things. And I'm, I would say that if you were my cousin or you weren't my cousin. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. You're welcome. Those are money. I'll throw
0: it right back at you. Everybody should be following <laughs> Jeff Levecchio, too. He's got a blue check, if you don't know. So <laughs> <Shut> up. <laughs> um, no, it's, uh, I, I love it, man. Like, I, I'm just naturally curious about the game of hockey, too, and and love just kind of studying the game and one of the things i'm working on right now i'm really excited about is a project on two-way centermen and so like what does or what do two-way centermen do like better than everybody else like everybody talks about a 200 foot game you know so what what are these what are these players doing um that allows them to be some of the best two-way centermen in the game and uh, it's been really interesting so far just to kind of dive into that i'm really really kind of At the beginning of it, but I'm studying Patrice Bergeron right now, who you have played with. Like, yeah, he's he's dynamite.
1: So good. Stas gonna be on that list.
0: Uh, Stas is not on that list. No. So I picked five. I mean, he definitely would be. Right. Could be and should be on that list, but I only picked five. So I picked the last five centermen that won the Um, Selkie. So that was, and all of them are still, you know, playing today. So it's, uh, was it Bergeron, Taves, Kopitar? Um, Couturier and O'Reilly. Um, so, you know, what do those guys do? And I'm, Bergeron's the first one that I'm doing, and it's been really interesting. It's cool, too, because he plays with two incredible wingers. You know, he's with yeah. Marchand and he's with Pasternak, who are completely different players than he is. And, uh, it's nice. He's like, he's content. He doesn't have the puck much, to be honest with you. Like he's a support guy and, but he's always in the right positions offensively. Like he's always there when they get cornered off to be of support, whether it's on the breakout or in the offensive zone, he's unreal in between the dots, just like finding those little soft areas and, uh, and defensively, I mean, you talk about stick pressure all the time. Like it's ridiculous, just his smarts and his gaps and being above and hard to back through like, just, it's just, he is a special player absolutely special
1: in the words of Billy Madison he's good
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, how about that did you see that thing that uh the Bruins did on social media with the
1: captaincy yeah that was hilarious I was like what <laughs> Oh, <okay. laughs> I mean not that Marshy couldn't be a captain but it's like a Bergeron's obviously the obvious choice and then I was like oh okay well that was pretty funny yeah yeah it was pretty good
0: yeah. Um, but no, I'm excited, man. I'm excited for the NHL season. Uh, it, it feels like it's been forever ago now since, since they were playing games and everything. And the fact that they are able to actually have a season and they, they got her going last night. We're recording this on Thursday right now. I'm just, I'm really looking forward to, to watching some hockey and doing my little things from last night and that stuff too. But last night, that segue. We had an awesome conversation with uh, a one JB Spiso. So, uh, what were your overall thoughts coming out of it?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I'm um, respect and, and gratitude to anyone who served in the armed forces. Um, you know, uh, you, it's a massive sacrifice putting your life on the line for the country. Um, so, I mean, it's very cool to be able to talk to somebody who's, who's done that and then who's led others um, in doing that. So, you know, that was that's was pretty cool getting to just kind of humanize somebody who's been in the military, especially for a long time and done a bunch of tours and stuff. So that was cool. And then just hearing his thoughts on leadership and how I was actually pretty surprised at how positive his leadership style or skills that he learned in the military was. I always thought, you know, Full Metal Jacket, you know, I think of that movie. Have you seen that movie? I have not, but oh I can my imagine. Yeah, what is wrong with you? Um, it's like it's like you know the the whatever the sergeant is just beating down, you yeah. know, the guys who are you know going through basic training and all that stuff, and it's all negative reinforcement. And he only talked about positive re- reinforcement. And I thought that was really interesting. Like maybe you know. Uh, oh movies aren't real but you know it was just uh it was interesting to kind of hear his take on that and and even like the the dinner line story um that he talked about i didn't know that with with generals and the higher ranking officers so i thought that was pretty cool as well yeah leaders eat last you know it's uh (laughs) it's one of those things but yeah i mean you know i
0: think the army the army not just the army but the armed forces you know jb was an army ranger which is you know pretty much the best of the best special forces, all that kind of stuff. So the amount of training that he probably had to go to from a mental and physical and leadership perspective. I mean, I can't even imagine, but you know, the armed forces, they need to change like everybody else, you know, leadership now is different than it was 20 years ago. So if you're leading men and women into battle and you're still doing the archaic things, you know, that, that, that we were trained by, you're not going to get the best out of, and, and they invest so much resources into figuring out out what the best ways to lead people are. Um, and, uh, it is, I mean, you, you talk about team building and you talk about leadership. I mean, these people literally take bullets for each other. Like they sacrifice their lives for each other on the battlefield and, and how they get their men and women to do that from a social psychological standpoint. I mean, uh, they're doing something right. That's for sure. And it was really, really cool to be able to talk to JB about that stuff.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Pretty badass. (laughs)
0: <laughs> pretty BA. So, uh we will get over to JB uh here in just a second. But before we do get over to JB, want to do one of our favorite segments now of the podcast where we have a little collaboration with icehockeysystems.com, one of our sponsors that came on as a drill sponsor where we talk about a drill and the one that I want to talk about today Uh, is one that we used to do at Cornell quite a bit and uh, I call it the three-on-three split zone drill. So you basically split the zone down the middle um, from the goal line up to the blue line so you can only use one of the sides of the ice. And basically what it is, is you have two offensive players in the corner against two defensive players. Then you have another defensive player, basically like who the strong side wing would be. And then one offensive player that's like the blue line, uh, the defenseman on the blue line. And so the way that I like to start the drill just to get the goalies involved a little bit and to create a little bit of a battle is as the coach up top, I'll blow a whistle and I'll shoot a puck uh, at the goalie on the, on the ice. And he's got to steer it uh, like, like a rebound control kind of thing, steer it to the corner, which starts the drill and creates a little bit of a puck retrieval, one-on-one, two-on-two type battle. Uh, And then it's basically a three-on-three from there and but you can only use your one half of the ice. So you can't go behind the net, you can't go across the net over to the other side. And what I really like about this drill from a habit standpoint is you really want to um offensively talk to your defense about not just being stationary and static up at the blue line waiting for a puck. You know, if you get a chance to to cut through whether it's a scissors along the wall, you get a chance to kind of come through towards the middle of the ice into the slot area. You know, you want the D to be really active. You want the forwards to be really active in the corner, trying to get the puck out of the corner, skating out as fast as you can. Obviously when it's two on two in the corner, there's not a lot of time and space. So where is that time and space? You want to come up to the higher side of the ice, maybe above the, uh, the hash marks. So you can get a little bit more space for yourself. Then you're creating some confusion. Uh, You're creating maybe switches, You maybe throw a pick, uh, you know, with, uh, with your defenseman, um, which is obviously always what you want to do offensively, great habits to be able to do that. So really getting the puck out of the corner into that high, ice great habit to have defensemen finding a way to to be active create some confusion great habit to have and then defensively you basically want to negate those things so two on two in the corner you want to try and surround you want to try and keep them in the corner right there Uh, that person who's acting as a winger you got to have your head on a swivel you have to have a stick on the ice knowing where the puck is and knowing where that defenseman is at all times and so it's just a great drill um, to, to promote a lot of really good habits, both offensively and defensively. So, um, you know, whether you're following me on Twitter or Instagram, or you're following the hockey think tank on Facebook uh, every week on Wednesday or Thursday, typically it's on Thursdays. Uh, we'll put a little video to this as well, but, um, really, really like this drill, uh, really, really helped us both offensively and defensively when we would do this drill, a lot of Cornell do it with my team here now, uh, too. So what, uh, what are your thoughts on that one?
1: Yeah, I think it's so massively important for defensemen on the blue line not to stay stationary. Like, I because I just always try and put myself in someone else's shoes. Um, and, and, well, and also think about when I was playing as a winger, there's nothing easier than playing D zone when your D man stays in the same spot all the time. Because then your head's on a swivel, but like that guy's always in the same spot. So it's like pretty easy to kind of find the lane and where you need to stand on the ice to always be between him and the net. And then also between the puck and kind of where you need to be, like the crosshairs on the ice, basically. But when that D-man starts moving, man, things get complicated in the D-zone. And if you got D's running switches, oh, my God, that's even harder. But, um, you know, it's it's so important for young D-men to work on that and not just stay still. It's so forced to them to do that. I love that. Yeah. And it goes along with that little things from
0: last night clip that I did, uh, you know, this morning where Tampa Bay, you know, they, they find that high. First of all, they're retrieving the puck, which is the beginning of the drill. So there were a couple shots where they had to go and get it back and continue to stay on offense. And then they did the same thing. They brought the puck up to the high ice. Um, You know, they, they had switches, they forced switches. Chicago looked lost. (laughs) And if you think about it, just offensively, you know, defense wants to be in structure, like it's always good defensively to be in your structure. So offensively, how do you get to a point where you're getting the defense out of their structure? A lot of time that's with movement, whether it's puck movement, whether that's with skating player movement, if you're just standing still, you're easy to defend. <laughs> you're easy to, it doesn't matter how good your structure is like you're easy to defend if you're, you're standing still offensively. Um, so all that movement and it creates chaos, it creates confusion. And that's where a lot of the goals are being scored. And that's a, that's on, you know, um, it's not just in the offensive zone. You do that in the neutral zone, um, as well. And, and, uh, yeah. So anytime you can do those kinds of things and, and, and for the coaches that are listening too, you know, you gotta be okay. Sometimes creating, like, it's not going to look pretty all the time. You can have some, some habits and some concepts that you want to run, but it's not always going to look <laughs> structure always looks good when you're letting the guys be a little bit more unstructured uh, it doesn't always look good, but sometimes letting them figure it out, giving them some, you know, some tips and some pointers and some things to do, but, but letting them run with it can be a good thing too.
1: Yeah, totally agree. it's, it's- so hard when guys are bobbing and weaving. I always get back to thinking about Hardy's tweet he put out last year of the Steel in the offensive zone. And I know I've mentioned it multiple times, but, my God, follow Ryan Hardy and watch, watch his team play offense, the Chicago Steel and the USHL. I mean, it, that clip is – I don't even know who's playing what position. Guys are everywhere. winds up in a, in a goal, I think it was. And it's just unbelievable. I just kept thinking, man, if I was playing D on that team, I would freaking hate this. absolutely so uh yeah so try it out
0: uh again we're gonna have a uh a video of it on Thursday. So if you can't totally grasp it on the podcast, we've got the video out there for you guys as well. Um, obviously we want to thank our title sponsor in Gelstix, sticks, dot com. We actually got an awesome text from their owner and partner, John Lounsbury, just the other day, uh, just about living in the moment. You know, it's tough times here today, but value and friendship, value relationships value in being in the moment was just a pretty cool text that we got from him. Uh, always makes you, you're, day a little bit brighter getting texts like that so thanks to lounsey for doing that awesome company values very very similar to to what we're trying to do here and trying to make the game better so head on over to gelsticks.com g-e-l-s-t-x.com use the coupon code think tank one word to get a discount on
1: your weighted training sticks and lounsey i just wanted to say if you're listening make sure to get into full extension i'm your coach so in a weird way this is kind of like my job (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh man, I like I love
1: it. that movie. <laughs> are you are you coaching him at, on Train Heroic? No, it's from uh, it's from uh, Night at the Roxbury. We always quote Night at the Roxbury together, so Duh. obviously you knew that. Yeah, yes. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but
0: actually, serious question, little segue: Do you coach him on Train
1: Heroic? Uh, he I, he he bought a couple of my programs during during COVID in the beginning. Yeah, he was using them. So it was pretty cool getting, uh, getting, getting him in shape. Cause I know he likes working out, you know, he's not as jacked as I am, but he's pretty jacked. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god
0: hilarious uh but yeah thanks lounsy gel sticks guys train heroic another one uh you know thank them for for being our sponsor as well here uh head go to download that app on your phone uh look up jeffrey levechkio's JHU workouts um fantastic fantastic stuff uh thousands of people on that platform right now um and ton of feedback that i've gotten you know even I'm sure you've gotten a ton of great feedback, but I've gotten a lot of great feedback of people that I know that are using it too. So, um, and then thank you to, to all of you guys that are listening right now. Uh, this is going to be a pretty special episode here with JB. We have so much respect for the military, you know, thank you. If there are people who are active or retired military on here, just, you know what, like you guys are the best. Thank you so much for all your sacrifices. So we are able to do things like what we're doing right now. And there's nobody more brave, nobody that sacrifices more than you and your, families as well um it's not just a, an individual affair it's it's certainly a family affair and families have to make sacrifices too so anybody that's listening uh from jeff and i from the bottom of our hearts thank you for for your sacrifice and service so we're allowed to do you know what we're allowed to do here and uh um so thank you to everybody for for listening uh you guys are really going to enjoy this episode with jb spiso Uh, Go to JBSleaders.com to check out uh, all of the cool leadership consulting stuff that he's doing. Uh, He does have a book out as well, Warrior Leadership, Steps to Success for Leaders on the Ground. So without further ado, here we go with JB Spiso. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast. He's out in Las Vegas right now. j b. Spiso j b. how you doing today?
2: Good. Coach Scott, how you doing? Jeffrey, nice to meet you too. <laughs>
0: i'm uh, i'm I'm doing good. and I'm really excited to uh, to have you on the podcast here. And I was lucky enough to uh, hear you speak passionately uh, down in Florida at the College Coaches Convention. I don't even know how many years ago that was yeah. now, probably seven, eight, nine even years ago. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, really, really cool to get connected with you. And it's just so crazy how small the hockey world is. A kid that I, you know, had some recruiting conversations with who's now at Holy Cross, Nick Hale, uh, I don't know knows you and, and called me up and he was like, coach, hey, you, rem- you remember me? <laughs> I was like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, so got us connected. So really, really excited. To do that. how are those uh, when you go down and speak to these these big bodies you know you there was hundreds of people in that room
2: college coaches how mm-hmm. how do you enjoy doing that oh i love it it's uh it's a great experience i you know i love the small group as well too because this way you can kind of uh learn people and their personalities and that sort of thing but uh yeah i remember those uh college coaches conventions i did the nhl coaches convention a couple times college coaches and it's great just to impart some uh leadership on some folks and also, like anytime I go to any of these things, like, uh, I, you know, I'm taking notes. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting in the back of the room and, and writing notes on the speakers that went before me or after me because that, that you know, that's the only way to learn and get better. And, uh, you know, hockey's a wonderful game. I tell everybody, uh, you know, a lot of these young men and women that play this game will, will, will play the game professionally, uh, like, you know, like you both have, uh, but they will all be a professional at something. So that's the importance and I think that, uh, you know, what you're trying to do with your program, um, that, that, you know, that's the, that's the vehicle to success.
0: Sure. Sure. How much do you get to like, you know, I I've found, and I, I like to read books and, and, uh, just very, very curious. And, and, um, I love to learn from people that have n- literally nothing to do with what I do. So, you know, I love branching out. Do you, do you feel the same way? Because you've had such awesome leadership training from being in the military and, and all the stuff that you've experienced and learned from, from going through there. Um, but do you feel like you there, there's so much more out there and, and you feel like you're kind of learning every day, getting the chance to, um, you know, kind of branch out to, to all these other different
2: disciplines as well? 100%. What you know, that is so good. Um, you know, it's on, it's almost like, You know, we try to take these eight year olds and tell them, okay, you need to choose a sport now, right? (laughs) Where they should probably play multiple sports just to learn different things. And then, you know, the kids get to learn different people, the parents get to learn different people. It's the same thing now. Um, I remember um, Coach Hitchcock and I, you know, legendary uh, coach, (laughs) Hall of Famer, Stanley Cup, uh, you know, Stanley Cup champion coach. Um, You know, we talked about like, uh, you know, between his coaching assignments, um, you know, like uh he did different things. Like one time, like he 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 joined a gym and you know, he met people that didn't even know he was a hockey coach. You know, he got in he got involved in in um uh these military history classes, uh, you know, because he's a big military history, uh, he's an historian. And so he met people that had nothing to do with hockey. And you met you meet different human beings. Exactly. I look at even my um my business prowess now and you know, my my company uh JBS. Leaders, JBS leadership consultants. Um, I look at uh, you know the people I meet: uh, Richard Parker, uh, Tom Power, um, John Maloney, um, Kevin Weeks. uh, Now you know Kevin Weeks, the NHL goaltender, now making a whole business for himself. Like, but most of this has nothing to do with hockey. It has to do with leadership and learning, and I think that's the importance. And I think that's what you're doing here on this you know hockey think tank. So.
0: Yeah, oh for sure. I mean, this is selfishly. I mean, we always like to say this is all for for our listeners and we're we're, we're happy sure. that our listeners get to learn from all the great people that like yourself that we get on here, but very very selfishly, I this is the best part of my week getting a chance to to branch out and learn from you guys as well. So, uh yeah, we really appreciate it. Um but no, we're we're excited to have you. So, like I wanted to ask you first, you know, being a part of the military, you know, obviously, thank you for your service. First and foremost, um, we are able to have what we have because of the, the service and sacrifice that that you and, and the brave men and women that you've worked with um, have, have done for for all of us. So thank you for that. But how did you, you know, get introduced to the military? And, you know, what was it that that caught your eye about
2: wanting to serve and and uh, you know, going and fighting for our country? Yeah, great, great question. My father was a World War II veteran, uh, but I never really got pushed in the military. Um, You know, I played, uh, you know, hockey in high school growing up and not not very good, but at least I, you know, at least I gave it a go and uh, played some other sports, uh, baseball, a little football. And so, uh, you know, I knew that I wanted to do something, uh, you know, uh, with my life, uh, maybe before college. Uh, Again, middle-class family in Pittsburgh, you know, I didn't really want to burden my parents with a college uh, you know, the, the cost of going to college and, you know, the military had an opportunity, you know, four years of college, spent four years in the army. I was like, great. And, uh, you know, the days before the internet, recruiters like, you know, what job do you want to do? Hands me this big book and I start going through it and he makes me do some push-ups, makes me do some pull-ups across his office door. He's was like, you know, and I remember him, he was like, why don't you become an army ranger? And I was like, great, what do they do? And he's like, Jump out of airplanes, blow stuff up. I'm like, sign <laughs> me up. Good. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, sounds good. I had no idea what I was getting into. Trust me. Now today, there's all these, uh, you know, there's all these prep courses you can take in high school and that sort of thing. You can take courses to like learn about like what you're really getting into. And um, fortunately, uh, you know, I got there. I made it. Uh, th- you know, through the inf- infantry training, airborne school, and uh, uh, back in those days, it was called RIP Ranger Indoctrination Program. Uh, and then got assigned to second ranger battalion and had a wonderful squad leader Um, it's in my book um, uh, which I'm sending both of you and um, uh, talk about uh, Hugh Roberts who you know help help guide me on the on the path and then you know just figured out that like wow okay I can I can do this Uh, this is this is tough and you really learn mental toughness there I tell people every day like they're like wow man you were an army ranger at 18 you must have been so tough I was like I was just trying not to get cut today. Right. And, and, and as both of you know, as athletes, there's days at practice, you're like, I'm trying not to get cut today. Right. So those are all things and you just learn this mental toughness. You learn this leadership as it goes, you know, this doesn't automatically come. It's not, you're not injected with it, right. It's not talent. So you have to learn it. You just have to keep a positive mind. You have to feel your talent positively, you know, so you want to raise your talent. Uh, you have to set your mind for victory every single day. These aren't just gimmicks, you know, like people will think, oh, that's just it's not, you know, you have to put a strategy in your mind, just like you're doing anything else. You go to the gym and work out. What do you do? You know, most people just don't walk around the gym. Some people do and they don't get a great workout, but you go in there with your plan. You're like, OK, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. It's the same thing for your for your brain, for your mind. It's a muscle. So anyway, the military. You know, I thought I'd be in for four years, and next thing you know, twenty six years later, it, it it worked out for me, and I was fortunate enough to work at West Point and get connected with the Rileys. You know, the legendary, legendary Riley family there. You know, it's been coaching at West Point for seventy years, and I think they're coming up on their one thousand game coach at West Point. Can you believe just that? Got it. Just got yeah, it. No, they just got it. Okay, Is it thousand the thousandth
0: games. game or thousandth win? Probably
2: thousandth uh, game uh 70 years you got to do the math i don't
0: know <laughs> yeah, so, I, don't, I can't i can't remember Come on, i even I, I even tweeted it too so i yeah, should know that, this yeah, should <laughs> but know this, yeah. they yeah. are hockey
2: hockey royalty yeah. that's for sure hockey royalty People but it. it's so so i got to get involved with them and then from there you know the leadership kind of just took off with 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 uh collegiate teams and with uh, pro teams and then of course you know kind of spawn spawn from there into business and uh you know what you see is like everybody needs leadership mentorship culture development and we should continue to rise above it and all the best whether they're a coach or they're an executive you know they they all continue to learn as they rise you have to you can't get there and be like okay i know everything well you don't right you have to continue to 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 develop that so
0: so I, I want to talk about the leadership stuff in, in just a bit, but one thing I do want to ask you about, um, you know, Jeff and I talk about mental toughness on on this podcast all the time, and and it is such a crucial tool, you know, not just in in you know in athletics and, and what you're doing, but but just in life. And and you can talk to ten different people, and ten different people will define mental toughness in in ten different ways. Um, but I, I think the definition that I heard that I think is the best that I think you would relate to, especially with how difficult the training is that you guys go through to become army Rangers. And that was from Nick Saban and Alabama football. They had this all access show. I can't remember what it was called, but they go through their entire training camp and he gets up, Uh, in front of his team. And obviously they just won another national championship. So I'd like to think he knows what he's talking about (laughs) a little bit. Um, But he he got up in front of his team. He's like, we're going to define mental toughness right now. And mental toughness, what that is, is I'm going to ask you one question. What does it take to break you? What does it take to break you? What does it take to break your focus? What does it take to break your passion? What does it take to break you when it's hundred degrees out and it's a two a days and you're on hour two of three and all that kind of stuff and and all of a sudden your mind is wandering and you're not focusing on uh, on the task at hand and so as someone that, uh, that you know grew up in the military from a young age, say going right from, right from high school, going in there, what does that, does that definition strike a chord with you? What would you say to that?
2: Yeah, it, it, that really does. I can tell you that, you know, going through, you know, Ranger indoctrination program, the first thing, and then Ranger school and all the other special operations courses that I've went through, SEER, Pathfinder, Jumpmaster, Halo, Halo, Jumpmaster, on and on. Um, You know, it was, it was the ability to, um to 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 find where that limit is for you and say okay I can get pushed to that limit and go a little bit further um I think a great definition of mental toughness is the ability to consistently perform to the upper range of your talent and skill regardless of the situation and circumstances right I love that and and if you think of things like you know an NFL quarterback or where or, you know pro athlete like, what, it doesn't matter what's happening, right? They are completely focused on that. Um, you know, the difference between like a special operator and a and a, and, you know, and a regular combat soldier is that special operator. That last ten yards is so is so difficult. That's where they you know have to make a, a, a precision shot, right? Precision, uh, you know, one inch shot. They have to make, um, and so that's 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 the that's the determination. You know, just like a surgeon right? Somebody's going in and operate on your heart or your brain, you know, that surgeon has to be, has to be precise. So it doesn't matter what's happening around you, you know, you'd be able to bring that, you know, you see with Jordan in that, that, uh, you know, last dance, right? You saw Jordan, it didn't matter what was happening, right? He figured out a way, give me the ball, I'm going to win this thing. And that's kind of, you know, you have to bring calm to the chaos, right? And as a leader and as a coach, that's what you have to bring calm to the chaos. This is what we're going to do and this is why we're going to do it. Um, so but again, I think that's all part of learning and mental toughness comes from getting better at what you do through experience right if you know if you get up, somebody gets up and says, you know I'm gonna run a marathon okay well, you can maybe gut out a marathon, but you should probably run five miles and then six miles and then seven miles or whatever it is to run a marathon. And then you say, okay, so you build up that confidence that says, yeah, I can go out there and do that. Um, Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. And I, I think that's so important for parents listening because we have so many parents that listen to hear and, and if there's any young players listening, like, you know, We weren't born with mental toughness. You have to go through the experiences. You have to fail. You have to learn like, you know, Tov played division one and pro. I played division one and pro. Like Mm -hmm. you don't just get there and you don't just, you don't just overnight become mentally tough. Like I failed so many times when I was younger, when I was in juniors, when I was Mm -hmm. in college, before I became a pro and in pro failing almost every day. But the mental toughness comes from learning to take your fail, failures and then use them not as a setback, as a setup, like we've talked about on this podcast so mm-hmm. much. So parents, like I urge you listening, like when your kids fail, don't coddle them, don't baby them, but also teach them like, okay, like reflect on your failure, your quote unquote failure. You didn't, you didn't fail, like you had a bad day. Okay, learn from it. What could you have done differently? Why, how, when, what? okay, now tomorrow, let's move forward and let's try and apply what we learned. That's how you start to become mentally tough. The most mentally tough people are probably the people who've been through some pretty tough times and come out on the other side just learning from it. So don't be afraid of it.
2: And, and you know, somebody asked me, um, you know, I went to Afghanistan last time I went, uh, my last combat action was Afghanistan 2008. And somebody asked me, said, uh, you know, were, were you scared? And I was like, you know, and I didn't mean this in like a, egotistical way and I said I said I don't think I was really scared I said I had a job to do and I knew I was at that point I was like the best trained of my life like I I I knew that I was like I there's very else, I can prepare myself for now. The enemy has a vote in what happens to you, right? Just like you play a game, right? The opponent has a vote in what happens to you. But if you know, if you put all your preparation and training into it, you know, you, you, you swing the pendulum your way, right? You only have to swing it your way, a, you know, a few degrees, and it usually helps. So those are all things, you know, that 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 have to continue. So you know, parents. You know, I'll give a simple thing to parents out there listening. Mental toughness. What, what? Where does it start for your son or daughter playing this game? One, it starts with enthusiasm, okay? That is the bedrock right there, okay? And it is, it is opposite of dread, um, you know, and enthusiasm has nothing to do with your physical state, okay? Like, think about that. Nothing to do with your physical state. You know, you can, there's terminally ill people that are so enthusiastic, you know, to, the, to their final breath. Right, that's what you have to be. So that's where it starts: enthusiasm, and then and then you know just just smiling, putting a great attitude on, and being a superhuman being. Right? No one wants you guys both know. No one wants a a a, a crappy teammate. Right? And if you're and if you're going to be that kind of teammate, boy, you better be a prima donna. But those prima donnas have a shelf life. <laughs> they, you, you know that you have a shelf life, like you. It, you better be you better be the one percent of the one percent. But after you start to sway a little bit, you know you're going to be out. And then and those are all things and and then you need to take it as a challenge, like challenge yourself every single every single day. And know that like things just happen. Like you can't get worried about. It. Like I I could tell you you know working at the professional level, like you know players are always worried about like who the team's drafting. They just drafted two more centers. We already have, I'm like why are you worried about that? just just earn yourself a roster spot that's it like you don't have to worry about who they drafted like you know don't don't start you trying to get in the mind of the coach or the mind of the GM right you just go to go out there and you got to and you have to you know play play your game the right way and that's what you have to continue to do uh and and don't and don't overthink it and if you're a coach here's the thing if you're a coach you know and this is why people the uh, Nick Saban's players love him. They love him. Why? Because he's, he's direct and he tells them what they need to do to be in the lineup, right? Topher, you're not in the lineup today. And this is why, but once you do a B and C, then you're back in the lineup. Right. And the key with that is, is people don't want to hear the truth, but they tend to trust those that deal in it. Right. So that's it's as simple. It's as simple as that. It's just like this is what you need to do. Um, And the other thing coaches, coaches need to be aware of, you know, and both of you know this coaches see what they want to see, both good and bad. Right. So what I do is I try to help coaches see what they're missing.
0: Totally. No, it's funny you bring that up. Like Jeff, Jeff had a, uh, in our last podcast conversation, we, we spoke with a sports psychologist and Jeff mm-hmm. went off on coaches that are less than direct <laughs> with, uh, with their players. It's, it's the worst. And, and, and coaches like coaches do, they have such a significant positive or negative effect, even when we're talking about mental toughness, like again, you can't just go to Target and buy it off the shelf. It's something that you build or you get better at or worse at based on the Mm -hmm. choices that you make every day. And, and I'm a big believer that coaches have a significant impact on that as well. Like, Mm and, 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 building mental toughness. Like you have to put your kids or your employees or whoever it is that you're leading into tough situations Mm -hmm. so that when the real tough situations happen, right? You guys say you fall to the level of your training. You don't rise Mm -hmm. to the occasion. You fall to the level of your training. So as a coach, you know, you have to, in the right way, put your kids or put your players in situations where it is going to be hard and they are going to fail just because mm-hmm. that's how you build that resiliency muscle. And I know that you guys are like experts at that in the military. And, uh, and so if you can just elaborate on that a little bit, just like as a leader, no, putting people in those types of situations,
2: hundred percent, like, you know, in special operations and even in the, you know, the, the, you know, the army, the military as a whole, like people get hurt in training. And people get hurt in training. I mean, sometimes it's accidents, but people get hurt because you're training hard. People get hurt in practice. But if you don't push to that level, then you'll never get it. And the first time a you know a round cracks by your head, you know you're you're you don't know what's happening. So you have to practice those situations, right? You have to practice at night. You know, in the military, we did a lot of things at night. We you know we we used to say we own the night right? So you have to practice with night vision, practice shooting at night, practice moving at night, everything. You have to get your body clock all, you know, all switched to that. And you have to do that because that gives you an advantage then. And, and again, you only have to swing the pendulum, you know, one to three degrees, you know, to be, to be, to be successful. And that's what you have to do. So you have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations, right? Now, uh, you, you, you know, you don't have to practice the suck. the right <laughs> but when it does suck you have to embrace the suck um, uh, I said to um, I said to a um, um, to a pro coach one time I said hey let's try something and he's like what I'm like let's have the bus show up 15 minutes late you know from the picking a team up from a hotel he's like the guy's a loser mind I'm like well, do you want to test their mental toughness or not, right? And then sure enough, right, tell the bus to show up 15 minutes late. So what's happening? Some of the players are like Uber, uh, public transportation, catching a ride. Some of the players are like, what's happening, you know? And 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 they get to the rink 15 minutes after they're normally due. Well, okay, now shorten whatever you had to do to get ready, right? Because sometimes we get so regimented that we can't adapt, right? So we want to be able to adapt. Um, You know, we talked about this, Kevin Weeks and I talked about this, you know, extensively before the last Stanley Cup, Um, uh, you know, when the whole COVID thing and the season stopped, the season came back. And I said, I said, the team that can handle this adversity, this bubble, the team that can do that is probably going to win. And, uh, you know, of course, the team was, you know, talented (laughs) as well, too, in Tampa, but, but. You know, that's a big part of that is handling adversity, you know, understanding that. And that's where like the military really gets it right, because sometimes we just put people in uncomfortable positions uh, and it's not planned. Right. Like here's your base camp. Good luck. Figure it out. And people have to people have to do those things.
0: Yeah. And I think the, the players and the kids out there need to realize that <laughs> sometimes when you're in your training and you're put in those situations, it's on purpose. Sure. And then the leaders are evaluating you on how you go through, like we've, We did that with our hockey teams when I was coaching in college hockey, you know, we'd put them in different situations and scenarios. And, you know, we were big believers in the players, um, you know, picking the captains and stuff, but they was always pretty aligned with what we thought of them. And we would just sit back and watch. You know, like the strength coach all of a sudden does something. Hey, we're done with our workout. Boom. Nope. Actually, we're not go get on the line. And then you got some guys who go and they're, they're pouting. They're like, I can't believe coach did that. We were done, blah, blah, blah. And then you have some guys that are, you know, like, all right, let's go giddy up. I'm in, you know, and, and kids, I think they need to understand and realize like coaches are always evaluating those kinds of things, especially in the times that aren't very good (laughs) because that's, that's where you can develop your leadership groups and
2: all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's a great uh, there's a uh, great officer out there, Lieutenant Colonel Robert Cornicelli. And he went through this officer candidate school program and he tells a story about how, um, you know, I was running this exercise for them and, you know, they were they were up like, you know, three days doing these different missions. And we came back and we fed him a big meal and we put him to sleep and everything else. And he was like, something's up something i was a first i was a first sergeant then he's like first sergeant is up to something sure enough and we let him sleep i i let him sleep for like 49 minutes just so they'd start to get in a REM sleep but sure enough we woke everybody up you know bang 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 let's go <laughs> and then we gave him like a you know a physical fitness test like a comp uh, you know combatives test and so it, it, you know now you're testing your mind from like All this, right, from a big meal, from sleep, everything else, you're just trying to see, you know, can you get your wits about you, right, and, um, you know, that's all part of it. So, you know, if, if you're a young athlete out there, and you're like, or even if you're an older athlete, and you're like, geez, I don't think I'm mentally tough, well, you haven't learned it yet. It's a learned trait. And guess what, you can learn it, and you can lose it over your lifetime. Right, so it's something you have to continually work on. It's just like your fitness level, your brain. Like if you don't read or study or do anything else, and you know you're gonna, uh, you know you're gonna gonna lose it. So you have to continue to do that. Mental toughness is the same way. So you have to continue to do positive strategies. Right. Um, The other thing is, unless you're at the pro level, now the pro level is a little bit different. Coaches can be a little bit different there. I think. At some point, but if you're a younger coach and if you have a you know a uh, a collegiate or below athlete, you know you have to positively find a way to to, to move them forward. It doesn't mean you can't be tough on them. It doesn't mean you can't say, "Hey, Jeff, you know what? You screwed that drill up three times. Like seriously, are you paying attention? Uh, okay, coach. Or, or 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 did I not explain it correctly? Come here. Let me show you again. All right. But this is what I need you to do. So you got to do it correctly. Do you understand? Yeah, so there's no problem there, but you got to continue to, you know, uplift that, right? You can't attack that person negatively. Um, you know, you really, really have to, have to have to stay stay away from that, right? Because you really have to try to find that best version of himself. Now, again, doesn't mean you're coddling that because there are standards and you got to move that player forward, but you really should try to make that person the best version of themselves. I had a... Youth coach asked me the other day, he's, you know, coaching some, you know, 10 year old team. And he was like, it's my first time doing this. He's a volunteer coach. He's like, you know, parents are telling me to just play this on this. I'm like, listen, just it's 10 year olds. Roll the lines, roll the lines. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, roll the D. I said, now the last two minutes of the game, if you're down a goal or you're tied, you know what? Put your team in a position to win. Okay. Because that win makes the kids feel good. Right. It gives them some spirit, but if not, you know what, you just keep rolling the lines last two minutes. You know, if you, you know, if you want to turn in a Mike Babcock, go ahead. But other than that, you know, keep it, keep it, you know, keep it going. I love how people they are talking about that kind of
0: coach. It's always Mike Babcock. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I know. That's so funny. When
2: when I gave that, uh, that pro coaches leadership seminar, he sat in the front row, like first guy. And he was like this the entire time at me. And I, and I like kept looking right, right at him, like trying to get like some expression out of his face, but he was like, when I was done. I was like, "Holy God, that guy's intense."
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true. I mean, it's part of the reason why he's so good too. Like you, you talk about he's in the front row. That that Saban, yeah. that Saban uh, Alabama documentary. They they bring in uh, some big time speakers to come in and speak, and they had Kobe Bryant come in to talk to the team. And you know, Nick Saban's right there in the front row, mm-hmm. and he's taking notes. He's one. He's probably the only person that's taking notes. And I think that's that's such a good thing because like. As a coach, you have to be willing to learn, but you also have to show your players that you're leading that you're willing to learn too. That's always something that I respected in the coaches that, uh, that I played for was they were flexible and they always wanted to get better themselves. Like we should never ask our players to do something that we're not willing to do ourselves. And so Nick Saban as smart and thought out and amazing of a coach is that had to have been planned. I'm going to sit in the front row and I'm going to take notes and I'm going to show my players that I'm willing to get better. So yeah, when I push yeah. them to try and get better, they know that I'm willing to do the things that I'm asking them to do as well. It's just uh, yeah, it's, exactly. it's amazing.
2: And that, you know, that's the that's the keystone foundation of the military's lead by example. Right. Like, you you know, all the maneuvers that I've been on from a private to a sergeant major, like everybody's out there wet, cold, hungry. Right, um, it's funny because I think you know Simon Sinek. You know he, he, you know he he he's done very well with his books, and his books are very good. But he 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 um, you know wrote that book "Leaders Eat Last." I was like, "Leaders Eat Last." That's like military one hundred and one right there. Um, and <laughs> That's some and crazy now idea. I woman. was like, I was like, <laughs> what? Like because and the reason like we did it in the military, for example, <clears throat> you know, I was as a sergeant major, and say we were having field rations outside. Uh, They never have enough chow, right? They always run out of chow. So, you know, that machine gunner who's probably going to save my life, he needs a meal. I can skip a meal, right? I'm a sergeant major. I can figure it out. But, but that, you know, that, you know, 19 year old, um, you know, young man from Buffalo, New York, who's a machine gunner, like he, that kid needs to eat, um, the other thing is, like, I don't know how it was Topher and Jeff when you guys were, you know, in college and play, but, like, I, I hate this rite of passage system. Like, uh you know, seniors eat, juniors, like, who cares? Just eat. Uh, even in the pros, like I saw it a couple of times, like, you know, get behind me, rookie. I actually, a Hall of Fame defenseman said that. And 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 I didn't say anything. Then later on, we went out and I said, hey, let's go grab a beer. And I said, hey, why, why'd you do that? I was like, you know can that kid help you win? He's like, yeah, he's a pretty good player. I'm like, so why does he have to get behind you in the chow line? Like there's plenty of food. You're, you know, you're not going to run out of food in the NHL, <laughs> never, you know, never hungry league. They call it right. Never hungry league. <laughs> like you're not going to run out of food. And he goes, yeah, I don't know. He's like, well, that happened. To, that's what they did to me. I was like, okay, but now you're a captain and you're going to be a hall of famer. Maybe you should change that. And then he was like, yeah, okay, I get it, right? Because sometimes we get caught up with tradition and it's stupid. Uh, example, in the Ranger Regiment, you know, you know, Rangers have to go through a selection process to get into the unit. It's now called Ranger Assessment Selection Process. But they would come in and what happens is all the young sergeants would grab them. Oh, here's the new guy, right? Let's figure, you know, oh, do that, do that. And I'll be like, whoa, whoa, whoa timeout. what are you doing? Well, he's new okay did he pass selection yes or no yes okay let's go get him you know get him up to speed because i need his gun in the fight same thing right like coach when you pick the freshman to be on your team that freshman was already on your team you picked him but why does the freshman have to go through you know a rite of passage again by other players now does that mean they pick his stall no but You know, okay, maybe do a funny skit, fine. But why is there this rite of passage system? If that that young man or woman in in your locker room can help you win, they've already been selected. The sooner you bring them into the fold, the better off you be.
0: Yeah, it's so true. We uh, we always used to talk to the freshmen, and we would talk to our leaders and say, you know, talk to our leaders and say you're expected to pick up the pucks. And then we would tell the freshmen, you're not expected to pick up the pucks, but pick up the pucks. Cause you got to earn your spot here too. Right? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 uh, it definitely goes both ways. And and I think that's a really interesting point to, to like, yeah. one of the questions that I wanted to ask you as we're talking about leadership and, and kind of throwing, I don't want to say throwing people into the fire, but we expect them to contribute right away, you know, in in kind of the stuff that we're talking about. And one of the, the military books that I read, um, was, um, oh God, what's his name? I can't, I'm I'm blanking on his name right now. Team of Teams, Uh, McChrystal, McChrystal's book. Mm -hmm. And uh, he he was talking about a shift in the military in terms of how they prepared their leaders to to lead and how, you know, back in the day, it was very top-down. You know, and it got to a point where they were moving so slow because you had to get approval from the next person up and then then the next person up and then the next person up where the leaders on the ground, you know, they were waiting for orders instead of. Leading from from the ground and and having the authority to, to kind of make those decisions, um, because the war that you guys were fighting in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. it would you had to adapt. I mean, there was mm-hmm. things changing. It was so much different than the wars that you guys had fought in the past. Um, so, how much merit in in your experience? I always I just thought that was really really interesting in in reading that. So, in your experiences, did you kind of see that as well? And did you f- find that you had, at, you know, as somebody that was your last tour in Afghanistan in 08, you said um, that that was really important that you really had to train the leaders to make decisions and to, to, to be more autonomous in the field?
2: Well, you know, the military learned after 9-11 because special operations were always adaptive, right? They were adaptive leaders and they could. And that's where like a lieutenant and a captain could like, you know, change the course of a battle because you're making decisions on the ground. They're small teams. But then the entire military had to do that because here's the thing is like, you know, they, they learned quickly in Iraq, like killing the enemy was easy. They smashed them in, you know, eight or nine days. But then nation building is very, very hard. So now I got a young lieutenant and you know, 30 troops uh, on a block trying to be mayor, police chief, uh, warden, um, uh, teacher, uh, 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 first aid, <laughs> firefighter, right? And, and, and so it was, it was very, very difficult. The military had to change, change its thought process right? Say, geez, how are we going to do this? How are we going to bring this together? You know, they called it coin operations, counterinsurgency operations, but how to, how to like deal with folks because, you know, that's, that's the issue is that they have to do that. Now the military's come a long way. They've done a very, very good job of of it. And, you know, we're, we're making leaders more adaptable. The other thing is, is even the leaders we're bringing in today are already becoming more adaptable, you know, in the early days of the, uh, of, of, of those wars, you know, you had generals beating their fists, tanks, we need tanks. And, you know, no, we don't need tanks. We need, you know, adaptive, qualified, educated leaders on the ground. Right. But now that that whole group coming in is that way, right. Because the internet's made everything flat. You know, I, I, I tell the story a lot, you know, 1984, Here's a middle-class kid from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I show up in Fort Benning, Georgia in August. You know, it was hot as can be humid. Um, I I could have been on Mars. I had no idea where I was. And, you know, the drill instructor's yelling at me, you're going to kill Chinese. You're going to kill Russians. I'm like, what? I I didn't even know any Chinese or Russians. What are you talking about? But you know, and, and you know, and all the targets had had the Chinese star on it and the Russian hammer and sickle. That's what they had. Every single target. So you know, that was the focus of the military back then. You know, Cold War. I mean, and then I was a drill instructor in '91. But can you imagine today telling a kid that? They'd be like, "What are you talking about? I have Facebook friends and internet <laughs> friends. You know, I, you know, I, I play Halo online with some kid from Russia, right?" <laughs> And it's because it's it's a it's a it's a little we laugh but think about it right I was like what are you talking about, but it's a little more you know we we've learned a lot because the internet has made has made things flat for us right so we can we can we can learn more um, and so it's also made it a little bit more difficult to lead too right because obviously if you tell somebody something they're going to Google it right <laughs> and say hey can coach really make me run five miles let's see. Right. canny or canny, And, um, you know, and the other thing I'll tell, you know, players as you're climbing the ladder and both of you did, the sooner you get used to your coach, the better off you are. Right. The sooner you get used to your coach, the coach doesn't have to get used to you. Now, the coach should also be an adaptive leader and understand and, and know where to push pull. But that team chemistry in that locker room is your responsibility. That's your responsibility to keep it healthy and do it the right thing. The coach has to make sure it's healthy, right. That you're not, you know, you're, you're doing things you're not supposed to be doing, but you have to, you have to find team chemistry. And that's why the whole, you know, the whole locker room concept of the days back when, you know, I was a young athlete, well, the stalls, those are gone and everything's more, you know, open eggshell egg shape, that sort of thing. And that's what you want to have. You want to stir communication, uh, but, but, but between the players.
0: So let me ask you this. So you, you, you know, in, in my opinion, when you, talk about <laughs> building team chemistry. Mm-hmm. Nobody does better in the military. You guys literally take bullets for each other. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's yeah. doesn't get any more important than that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, um, and, and, and I'm a, um, obviously, I think every, anybody who's played in, in any team would say that team chemistry is one of the most important things. You know, you can argue talent and team chemistry go hand in hand when it comes mm-hmm. to winning organizations, um, and, and I do team building as well. And one of the things that I do, um, with, with the guys, especially at the older levels, you know, I go raise your hand if you've ever won a championship, let's say, you know, 30 guys are in the room and a college team, usually 20 guys will raise their hand. Cause they're pretty good hockey players, been on good teams. Um, so 20 guys raise their hand. I say, okay, now put your hand down or keep your hand up. If, uh, if that was the closest team you've ever been on and zero hands go down. <laughs> because it was the closest team they've ever been on. So, you know, as somebody who has built teams at the most impressive levels and team chemistry and camaraderie and, and buy-in and, and all of that stuff, what, what do you think is really important when it
2: comes to building that chemistry and camaraderie
0: within your groups?
2: Yeah, that's great. Well, the military does it because, the, you know, the risk is so high, right? Life or death. Yeah. So that's why it's like, hey, we all want to come home. All right. And, and we used to say, you know, in the, in the army, like, you know, uh, uh, our, our, our religion and our color is all green. <laughs> so that was it. Right. It's all green. So, um, and I think that, you know, there's such a melting pot of human beings in the military too. It's, it's, it's fascinating, you know, rich kid, poor kids, all, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's just amazing. And it, and, and, and people learn about each other. Um, so team chemistry. So, all right. So, can a team win a championship with poor chemistry, Coach? What do you think? Can can a team win a championship with poor chemistry? I don't think so. Okay, Jeff. No, no chance. Okay. They they can if they're extremely talented, right? And if you look, it's happened in the NBA, right? Now in the NBA, you know, two or three players can con- control a game not really a team sport. If one guy's good, good, you can win. Like it's not really a team sport. Okay. All right. So, so you're right. But it's hard, but it's hard to do consistently without team chemistry. Yes. Team chemistry and team culture is very, very important, right? And it's important that people understand that it's the, it's the, it's the process of being a winner. That's most important. Okay? Not winning the process of being a winner, um, because at the end of the day, if you're a part of a winner, what's going to happen? You're going to get another job. Simple as that, right? You're going to get another job, right? You, you, you know it. In, in the NHL, there there are good professionals, not great professionals, that have played a long career because they've been part of a winner, right? And yep. then they brought that. They brought that to other teams. They're like, "Oh, let's get this kid. Oh man, we need to fill the roster out. Oh, let's go get him. Why? He's been a winner, okay? Or she's been a winner. Oh, that's a great dog, coach. I like that. <laughs> nice. Thank you. <laughs> so, so, so chemistry, chemistry is chemistry is very, very important. Um, the thing is, is you can have your own individual objectives of why you're doing this. You can have that, but you got to really take that and put that in its place. Okay, so whatever that objective is, is why why you're doing it it has to be healthy and has to be moral. Number one and two, healthy and moral. If it's not, then you can't can't be it. But then you have to put that in its place, right? And and it can't get out of the process of being a winner, right? Because then you put that together, you have a higher chance of winning, right? Um, And we talk about like uh, we said in the military a lot, like winning is easy. Uh, To love winning is easy, but to love the battle requires toughness. That every single day you're going out there and you're like, you know what, I'm going to battle today. I'm going to give it today. Whether it's in the gym, oh, did I do eight reps and two crappy reps or did I do 10 good reps, right? I'm going to battle today. And and when you and when you start loving the battle, then that winning becomes a byproduct of it. So very, very great question. Um, and I would continue that, you know, that has to be you know, a healthy culture. It has to be this group in the room and, and, and don't put it on one person. Don't put it on the captain or the assistant captain. It can be the group, right? It could be the group. Now the captain says, Hey, this is what we're doing. Um, and the captain should, uh, you know, and I, you know, I always go back to, you know, Crosby, I use him a lot and Alexander Barkoff and Willie Mitchell. And, you know, even, you know, Scotty Upshaw is an assistant captain, you know, being the captain in Florida, there, like, you know, you, you have to give, you have to give that direction and you have to get everybody to understand that direction. And, uh, when people do, then success is success comes.
0: Yeah. And what are your thoughts on followership too? Cause you know, we've talked and, and I've always been a big believer that obviously like, you know, the guys wearing the C's or the guys wearing A's are really important because they're set in that direction. But I would argue that, that next group of leaders, you know, the guys like right underneath them are almost more important because if those guys aren't buying into what the leaders are saying, mm-hmm. they don't have a chance in hell <laughs> of bringing the team together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in, in your guys' team building that you've done in the military and, and building uh, your unity and camaraderie and all that kind of stuff, do you guys talk about followership? Do you talk about, yeah. you know, how important it is to to, you know, to do that?
2: Uh, You know, followership is very important um, because, you know, people say to be a good leader, you need to be a good follower. And being a good follower is just like understanding that, you know, there's, you got to put your, you got to prepare yourself to be successful, right? And that's what being a good follower is. You know, I'm prepared. um, I'm ready to go. Uh, I'm ready. Here's my kit. My weapon's clean. My market done. I'm ready to go. I got all my stuff. Boom. Let's go. Right. That's that's part of being part of being a good follower. And 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 a good follower promotes the positive, healthy standards of the organization. You know, somebody comes in and you know, chirps the equipment guy, right? For example, in hockey, and a good follower taps him and goes, Hey, hey, knock that off. He's a good dude. All right. Oh, sorry, man. Uh, okay. Like, Right. Put, he puts it out, puts it out there right away. Hey, Hey, we don't do that. You know, we don't, you know, we're not, why are you taking a case of water? Oh, I'm thirsty. Okay. Well go buy your own water. Right. Like, like somebody, somebody pays for that. Oh, okay. And, 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 it, and it's, and it's, 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 it's promoting that because if you don't, it goes the other way. Listen, I've seen NHL players take you, you you know, season's over and they're, you know, I'll process take take their hockey bag and go in there and take like every single roll of tape off the table. And I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, I need, t- I need tape for the summer. Oh, you, you need 92 rolls of tape for the summer. <laughs> and, and, and the player looked at me, like I, I was like, Oh, uh, I'm like, really? You need 92 rolls of tape. You know somebody pays. You know somebody it's pays. So cheer
1: too. You know somebody pays for that. He's like. It's called oh. summer stock.
2: Yeah, summer exactly. Summer stock. But I'm like. I've never done it, but I've heard of it. I don't know. But but but, but, but you see my point. The point is, is that, you know, you know, Willie Mitchell walks in and says, "Hey, what are you doing?" No, take six rolls of tape. Okay, sorry, sorry, Willie. And then, you know, they put them all back, and then everybody kind of knows, and that and that becomes that standard of chemistry and culture that. that that you just want to help you know make healthy in your organization
0: it's so true and and all you're talking about right now too is accountability Mm -hmm. and and holding people accountable which for for kids growing up i mean we wouldn't even talk about it with our college teams like Mm -hmm. that's one of the hardest skills to learn is how to hold people accountable um it's hard you know, you don't want to tell your best friend, no, you don't like it's, it's hard for people to get out of their shell. And, and because if, you know, if we all care about what people think about us. So if you <laughs> hold somebody account, okay, well, are they going to think I'm a bad friend now or am I a bad guy, whatever? Um, is that something that you guys talk about in the military too? Because obviously you have your leaders and you, you know, you have your, your coaches and commanders and, and officers that are holding people accountable, but how important is that just in-group accountability when you're in the foxhole and when you're in the fight in, in doing those kinds of things in your
2: training as well well we always call it the ranger buddy concept you know in the military they don't let you hardly go anywhere by yourself right yeah. you never you'll never see a military person like eating by themselves or anything else like that so ranger buddy concept so part of that is that ranger buddy you know you're having a bad day you need a little push pull that ranger buddy does that right ranger buddy calls and says hey what's going on with you um even you know last you know last year well uh, you know whatever uh, you know, I was going through, I had a friend call me he say, Hey, you okay? Oh yeah. I'm good to go. Hey, I haven't heard from you. What's going on. And so that's part of that, you know, Ranger buddy concept is, is is holding your mate accountable. Now, listen, you don't have to be aggressive about it. Um, uh, the best thing is, is, you know, when somebody's struggling, this is what you say, not, instead of saying, Hey, you shouldn't have drank eight beers last night. You You, you dumb clown. Instead of saying that you should say, Hey, how can I help? Hey, how can I help? That's all you have to say. How can I help? Right? You don't have to you don't have to judge them. They already know what they did wrong. How can I help? So That's that's so true.
0: It's uh and you never know. Just just lending a hand. That person might not need help, but now yeah. you've you've extended a hand and that person knows that you care about them and, mm-hmm. and that full circle goes back to that mm-hmm. building that chemistry when people care about each other and, mm-hmm. and they're out for the greater good and something other than themselves. I mean that's yeah, that's it.
2: And when people can trust you on that, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's the best that people can call you, trust you. And, you know, you give them help and, you know, and, and again, you know, if somebody tells you something in confidence, you have to be a vault, right? That's not for you to, you know, talk about in the locker room or anything else like that. Like that's, that's building that team chemistry and that trust and everything else. That's, that's, that's doing that. And that's the way that great organizations are built. And, um, you know, uh, you know, Uh, You know, I loved how, like, Michelle Terry, and I know he's the um, associate head coach there for um, the Flyers, but, like, when he was the head coach of both Pittsburgh and Montreal, and regardless of what, you know, people say about him, like, he made players better. Like, he he pushed players. He did. You can ask Sid. Sid will tell you. He pushed him, right? But what he also did is I loved, like, before practice, like, his assistant coaches running, he would just kind of sit on the bench and he would do like a 10, 12 minute, like observation of what was happening. And he wasn't watching the drill. Like, you know, the layman's like, oh, he's watching the drill. The assistant coach is running. No, he's not watching the drill. Like he is trying to get a read on every single player that day, you know, what's going on with them. And there's so much to be said in observation. Right. And and so many times we're just like this, you know, we, and we, and we don't do this. Right. And, Um, you know, so that's what you, you have to continue to be, you have to continue to be observant as a leader and you have to continue to, you know, try to try to help people be the, as we said earlier, be the best version of themselves.
0: Totally. Yeah, no, no question. Um, so, so JB, we've talked a lot about, you know, a lot of some, some great stuff. The the one thing I, I wanted to, to ask you to because you've transitioned now from being in the military to, to now uh, you JBS leaders and you've started your own consulting company and have worked with some, you know, incredible organizations, some incredible teams and, and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I find in in my team building when I travel around and work with teams, I I feel like I learn more than mm-hmm. the teams that I'm that I'm doing it with. Um, and, uh, so for you getting the chance to, and we even talked about it earlier, you branch out and you learn from different people and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, what, what's some of the biggest things that you've learned traveling around in your consulting business? Um, whether it's with C-suite people, whether it's with, you know, athletic teams, um, is there kind of one thing that you see with all of them or or what's like the biggest thing that you've learned traveling around?
2: Well, uh, you know, there's so many people that just want to be a professional at what they do. Right. And, and, you know, military, we use the, you know, M4 carbine, you know, you used a, a hockey stick, whether it's, but, but they are trying to be the best at what they do. And it's so, um, uh, it's you know i love seeing it the energy the passion you know trying to get better working on themselves being the best version of themselves and i think that there's a lot of similarities there. there's a lot of similarities in business a lot of similarities in sports of you know trying to um not be average but be elite right and the gap between average and elite is actually very very small in your line of work it's very very small like 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 you know, you know, seven hundred players play that game professionally. The gap between the players that don't play that game professionally is actually pretty small. Of course, there's the one percenters, but it's the same thing in, in in business and whatever else you're doing. So, so how do you do that, right? How do you how do you how do you close that gap? And you know, it's a couple things. One, um, uh, you become a master at, at, at your craft. You turn obstacles in opportunity, um, and you you do this consistently over, consist, over a long period of time. I mean, you know, the the Rileys just didn't mistakenly get to 1,000 games or whatever it was, right? They didn't mistake – you know, they have done it for 70 years. So those are things that you have to just continue to work on. So, um, you know, and, and, and I love it that I meet people in just these fabulous lines of work that just – love what they're doing and are passionate about it and, and they get the juice from it. They get the juice from doing it. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No question. It's uh it's, it's so much fun as a coach and, and I think players need to hear this. Like coaches have favorites, mm-hmm. Coaches have favorites and our favorites are the ones that love it and they're coachable mm-hmm. and they want to mm-hmm. get better, you know, sure. and, and you can pick those people out pretty quickly. <laughs> sure. yeah. And, and uh, especially I feel like at the youth levels too, like, you know, teenagers when they're starting to hit puberty and get a little bit of an attitude and stuff, there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's the coaches favorites cause there's doing, they're doing the stuff that the coaches love, you know, with the effort and teamwork and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like there's also, the people who try to bring those people down. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the people who want to be the hardest workers, but aren't willing to put in the effort to be the hardest workers. So yeah. rather than elevating their work ethic to try and meet that standard of that coach's favorite person, they're gonna try and bring that person down by kind of making fun of them and calling them a Johnny tryhard and and sure. all that kind of stuff. Have you have you encountered that much? And and if if so, how do you? like what advice would you give to kids, you know, uh, about that, both the Johnny Dryhards and the people who are working hard. Um, but
2: how would you advise coaches kind of deal with those situations too? Yeah. For, as a player, you got to spray yourself with Teflon, not let that person steal your joy. There's always going to be players like that, right. They're trying to get in your head to try to try to make, try to make, make something different. Um, you know, it was so funny. Uh, went on this, um, you know, it was a young army ranger, went on this, um, like special assignment and we got to work with, with some great tier one operators and, and there was just a, you know, disgruntled ranger in our group. And every single day he just tried to make us young guys quit like every single day. Like he was just, you know, and, and, it's cause, you know, we were getting the start time, you know, we were getting the range time, you know, we were getting the accolades and he wasn't, and, you know, he was timing out and, you know, he just, and, and, and one day, like he almost like, I was just like, I want to just, and I finally had to get myself together and say, you know what? Spray myself with Teflon. This guy's not going to steal my joy. And his coaches, you know, of course, coaches like the guys that are doing everything because you don't have to put any extra drama into it, right? <laughs> like this kid's coming to work, working every day. Like, man, you you like that, right? And and it's okay to reward those type of players because the guys are you know, guys are putting the work in, you know. and If you're putting the work in and you're getting it done, then that that's, that's, that's all part of it. It's all part of like, you know, building that, you know, building that tradition of excellence. Um, and you really have to take a step back sometimes as a coach and make, it makes sound, make some sound and timely decisions. And it's not easy to coach, right? It's, 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 it's difficult. And you'll make mistakes and you'll make mistakes, you know, but, but when you learn from those mistakes and if you do make a mistake, you know, that's when you, you, you call the player in and say, Hey, Topher, you know what? I made a mistake tonight. Um, It's on me. I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to get better. You know, hey, you know, you okay moving forward with me? Yeah, coach, no problem. Right. And, and and it's OK, because those things do happen. Right. Because it's emotions like we can't be a you know, we can't be a, a, a stone face. It's an emotional thing we do, whether we're leading, whether we're playing, whether we're coaching. It's all part of that. Right. But you just got to kind of, you know, keep those in check. And, and and what why is it emotion? Because, you know, you want those people that work for you or play for you. You want them to to, to do well.
0: Yeah, for sure. I got a funny story. <laughs> so I won't say who the coach is. I, he probably wouldn't care, but he's division one head coach. And I was having lunch with him once on a recruiting trip. And, uh, you know, we were kind of talking about something similar here right now. Uh, and especially about like the players that give the coaches a little bit of trouble, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, that, that we need to coach. And he, he's so funny cause just absolute black and white person. There is literally no gray area with him. And he was telling me the story about how this kid was he wasn't buying in. He was being a little bit of a cancer and he was just causing him some stress and anxiety. And so he brings the kid into the office and he goes, Sit down, son. <laughs> kid sits down and he goes, You know what you did last night? And kid's like, What? He's like, You ruined my dinner. I thought about you as I'm sitting down at dinner with my wife and with my kids. <laughs> all I can think about was your arrogant ass (laughs) and you're affecting my life right now, (laughs) you know? And it was so funny because like, the The crazy part is that's like so authentically him because, you know, the way that he did it, I'm sure he wrapped it in with a little bit of humor and got his point across in a sure. way, but it was just like authentically honest. You You are affecting my life in a really negative way right now, and I don't appreciate that. And so we need to figure this thing out right now because I'm not being a good husband. I'm not being a good dad when I go home. And it's because of you. <laughs> so let's hash this out right now. And it's just—I uh, don't know—just a funny story that I thought about as we're talking. No,
2: and 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 you can't <laughs> overlook those things in youth players. Like you can't overlook, you know, players. You know, but you got to understand, like things do happen, right? Like we 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 we, we got to make sure not to make something. Don't make a mountain out of the molehill, but also if something happens, you have to address it right away. Yeah. Right, because you don't want to. You know, you don't want to happen to you know what happened to this kid with the uh, you know the Arizona Coyotes drafted, and you got all that right. Like, uh, you know, somehow this kid was off track early, and no one got him on track, and and then it just continues to affect your life. And maybe it's overlooked because the player's a little bit talented or something else like that. You got to stop that. Like, you gotta you gotta really kind of say, hey, this is where you need to be, right? And uh, and it's sometimes Big Brother comp conversations. And sometimes it's, 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 it's tough love. Like, you know, I'm talking, you're listening. This is how it's going to be. And, uh, sometimes that's, you know, that honest feedback, again, people don't always want to hear the truth. They tend to trust those that deal in it. There you go. So, yeah.
0: Is that kind of how you define tough love? Just honest feedback
2: yeah. And it, but listen, it's not, it's not easy given honest feedback, right? Yeah. Like it's because, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the good, bad, good guy, Oreo cookie, you know, start with the good, <laughs> give them the bad and with the good, right. Boom, boom, boom. Right. I try not to just, just, you know, just, just smash them down. So, you know, that's, that's that whole point. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. yeah cool. Well, you know, one of the other things that you've, uh, you've encountered here. And, and, uh, that has to be just a really cool accomplishment and getting the chance to write a book. It. And before, uh, yeah, I, I've tried to do it a couple times, to be honest with you, I, the amount of discipline that it takes to, to actually do it. I can't even imagine how much yeah. that was And probably a lot of your training in the military allowed you to finish it, but you know, you have a book, it's called warrior leadership steps to success for leaders on the ground. Yeah. Um, uh just be, before we go, just tell us a little bit about that process, sure. what the book's about. Yeah, and- my book here. It's
2: uh, you know, it's a it's a simple leadership book. You know, there's nothing tactical in it. It's just some of the stories that help uh you know emerging leaders uh you know rise to success. Um, you know, I, I've been writing it for about 10 years, and then fortunately I found a great editor, Karen Cantrell, who, you know, took my 350 page book and 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 you know we'll whittle it down to about 136 but we made it a two-hour read and i think it's wonderful she helped help me put it together but i try to just give people some inspiring thoughts some takeaways at the end and it's a you can tab and learn from it and be like wow this is pretty good and then you know maybe a hand to somebody else be like hey this is a good read you know you should check out you know chapter four um and so that's it so um I uh, was glad to get it done. Uh, it was a labor of love and, um, I appreciate everybody that's, uh, been, been buying it. You can buy it on Amazon or on my website, jbsleaders.com. Uh, and my Instagram is at JBSpiso. And if you want to DM me, I'll with a question, I'll DM you back. So
0: good stuff good stuff well jeff's the instagram master too so right. i don't know not, i don't know if you, you know this but he just got a blue check mark so he's uh you know <laughs> Loves talking about that but awesome. uh well jb thanks so much right. for coming on we appreciate
2: thanks it so much. and best of luck thanks thanks coach thanks jeff you guys uh, take care let's keep All it going right.